Welcome to the CJC Weekly Bible Study, where CJC stands for Complete Jesus Christ. If your perspective of Jesus is based only on teachings from the New Testament, then your understanding is incomplete. Regarding what we often call the Old Testament, Jesus himself said, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So won't you join us today in our study where we esteem the newer and the older testaments alike. I'm your host, Jeff Smith, and currently we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Today, we might even go through the whole chapter. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> but only in one sense. I expect we're going to be in Genesis chapter 5 for at least two, uh, three studies, two additional weeks after this week. But today's study is going to require that we go through the whole chapter, maybe not even read it. And here's why. We're just going to look at the family tree today. Last week, you'll see I wrote on the board there the same kind of uh, thing we had going on last week, which was the ungodly line of Cain. And we went through and looked at, just briefly, the names of the descendants of Cain. Today, we're going to look at the descendants of Seth, all right? The descendants of Seth. So we're going to fill them in there. You see I've got a first initial of each of their names that we're going to go through and fill in. Part of the reason for going through this study today, and I should say this up front as well, Regarding the material we're going to be looking at and using today, a lot of the material that we're going to be using is from a study that I heard that I found to be pretty impressive and powerful by Chuck Missler years and years and years ago. And uh, so I went back and found that study, and so a lot of that material I'm able to bring today, and I'm kind of excited about it. I, I enjoyed that study. But looking today, then, we're going to be looking, at, like I said, at the godly line of Seth, and I want to mention something about names. You'll remember that last week when we were looking at this line over here, the line of Cain, that we made an observation, and that is there's a lot of names here, and these names are in Hebrew, all right? And to English speakers, we lose something. We miss something because we don't recognize as readily uh, as we would if we spoke Hebrew, I suppose, that a lot of times names are given that have meaning. There's meaning behind the names, Okay. In fact, most of the names that we've looked at so far have had meanings associated with them. Do you guys remember what Adam means? Man? Yep, exactly right. Adam means man. All right. How about Eve? Do you remember what Eve means? And to help out with Eve, I'll give you a reference. 320, chapter 3, verse 20 was when we saw that. And we benefit from the text there in chapter 3, verse 20, because it tells us or it basically gives an explanation as to the meaning for the name that was chosen because there's meaning behind it. The meaning for Eve is life giver. What does verse 20 say of chapter 3? Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living. There we go. So the text actually helps us out a little bit. In Hebrew, it would make more sense to us, but even the English translation provides for us that there's a reason for the name that she's given. The reason that the text says it that way is it provides for us the reason that she is given that name, Eve, because it has something to do with her function, has something to do with her purpose, all right? How about Cain? Do you remember Cain? Chapter 4. Look at the beginning of chapter 4. What does verse 1 say? I acquired a man right. from the Lord. Eve says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And you remember we looked at it. It was kind of a play on words because Cain means acquired. All right. How about Abel? Do you remember Abel? Abel's mentioned in that same verse, but he's, we don't have in that text 
a reason why he's given that name. We had to actually look elsewhere. We had to look somewhere else in our Bibles to find out what does Abel mean or what could it possibly... We found in Ecclesiastes that his name is very similar to the word that means vanity. All right? Vanity or meaninglessness. All right? And so we had to look elsewhere. So sometimes the text, like in the Eve passage provides for us a reason why they got that name, just as it did for Cain as well. But it doesn't for Abel. We had to look elsewhere for that. Okay. How about Seth? Look at the last verse of chapter 4. Actually, second of the last verse, verse 25. What does it say there about <laughs> Seth? For God has appointed another seed for me. Good. Appointed. Seth's name it means appointed. And so we have there the text again supplies for us the reason why he was given that name. This is not uncommon. There's lots of other names. In fact, if you go through your Bible and you look at, uh, for example, Moses. I'm going to call him Moses because I drew him out of the water. His name means to be drawn out or to draw out. Ishmael, all right? If you remember the the prayer regarding Ishmael, Hagar, she's in the desert and she's (laughs) praying and God hears her prayer. And so her son's name is God hears or God will hear. It's Ishmael, all right? You also have Isaac. Isaac means the father laughs, and we're familiar, I'm sure, with a lot of those stories from Sunday school, from no other places. Esau means Harry, and you may remember that story, all right? And then you had Jacob, heel holder, all right? And uh, the story associated with that. And then later on, God changes Jacob's name to what? Israel. Israel, and there's a meaning there associated with that. He struggles with God, or a concept of struggling or struggling with God. So names have meanings. All right, and that's one thing that I think would serve as an introductory mark for this study that we're going to be looking at today. So if we follow then this godly line of Seth through Adam, through Seth, going down the list, using chapter 5 as our guide or our template, who does Seth have? Who's Enosh. Seth's son? What's the name? Enosh. 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 Good. Who is born after Enosh? Kenan. Kenan. How is that spelled? K-E-N-A-N. K-E-N-A-N. Some of your translations that you use are actually going to say Canaan here. Okay? King James and New King James especially. They're going to say C-A-I-N-A-N or something similar to that. All right. Is that what yours says, Mike? Yes. Okay. The King James Version was written in 1611. It's basically 400 years old. At that time, they looked at this name right here, or in the Hebrew, the the word that's behind it, and they said, you know what? What is that associated with? What is that connected to? Hey, you know, it sounds a lot like Canaan, like the Canaanites. And so for a couple hundred years, they thought this and actually translated many of these Bibles, New King James and King James Version, as Canaan. But since then, the other Bibles that have been coming out, they've decided, no, 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 this is a separate word altogether. It's a different word altogether. It's a different name altogether, a proper noun, Canaan. All right, who does Kenan have? Mahalala. <laughs> Good. How do you spell that? M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L. Excellent. Good job. And then who does Mahalalel? <laughs> Jared. How do you spell Jared? Jared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who did Jar Ed have? <laughs> Enoch. Enoch, there we go. <laughs> Enoch. By the way, there's a. Uh, I have a trivia question here on the top of the board just to be thinking about as we're going through this today. Who was the oldest man in the Bible yet died before his father? Maybe you'll come up with an answer later on as we go. Who was the next son? Methuselah. How do you spell that? 
how it sounds. <laughs> Meth use la. Meth use la? <laughs> Is there an H on the end? Uh, L-A-H. There we go. <laughs> All right. Who's next? Lamech. Lamech, yeah. And then finally? Noah. Noah. And then Noah ends up, it says, uh, has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, at the last verse of chapter 5. But we're just going to look up through Noah right now. One of the interesting things is when you put these two side by side, these two lines, you see that it's kind of interesting in that they're vertical in the sense that it's father to son, to son, to son, to son, to son. And then down at the end, it kind of breaks off. And here you have Lamech having three sons. All right. Same with Noah. It ends up with three sons being named as well. A little interesting thing there, a little bit of point of comparison. But other than that, you see a couple names are repeated. Each line has an Enoch. Each line has a Lamech. Completely different people. All right? They're not. <laughs> this Enoch is not the same as this Enoch. That Lamech is not the same as this Lamech. All right? Just so you know that going into it. Try to avoid a little bit of confusion there. Let's look at the meaning of some of these names then. All right? So we looked at Seth. We've already got Seth means appointed. Enosh. Enosh is another word for man or a mortal it carries with it the idea of frail or wound. It, the root word is enash, A-N-A-S-H. So it carries with it the idea of the translation wound or woe or sickness, things that would be experienced by a mortal. Okay, so mortal. Kenan. Now, it, it, if the word was Canaan, like the older translation had, the King James Version had, it would be something different other than what we're going to look at. We're going to look at Kenan. I should mention this as well. A lot of times when you look at the lexicons, you find that there, there is a lack of depth in a lot of these because proper nouns are not readily translated because they're, they're people. You, you have to look at something a little deeper than just your typical lexicons when you're looking at these because you just need more meaning. You need more depth on them. Kenan ends up being one of these that's a little bit in dispute, and the problem, part of the problem is because of that translation from the King James Version with Canaan. But if you concentrate on just the Kenan, it means sorrow or dirge. What's a dirge? It's a sorrowful song. A sorrowful song, good. Or elegy. What's an elegy? It's like a sorrowful song. <laughs> like a sorrowful song, good. All right. So, yeah, so we have uh, sorrow there associated with that name. By the way, why would you as a parent choose that name for your kid? I'm not sure, but perhaps there's something associated with the birth of that child or later. You know, we get into this thing where we pick a name before we leave the hospital, right? It goes on the birth certificate. That's something that I would suggest to you isn't necessarily the way they did it back then, okay? You could wait a while before you ended up getting your name, or you could have your name changed, depending on the circumstances that come out of your life, all right? So Eve, granted, she was, she was created and not birthed, but she ends up getting a name later in life, if you will. Abel, meaning vanity. I mean, are you going to name your kid vanity before he dies or after he dies at a young age? Perhaps his name was something else, and they gave him a name that had to do with his death at a young age, all right? So the idea of the babies being born and having a name within a couple days, maybe back then it wasn't quite the case. Mahalalel. <laughs> Mahalalel. Uh, what does that name mean? Basically, that comes from two different words. All right? This one right here, anybody recognize that? L? God. Yeah, it's a, it's a name for God. It's a very common name for God. And the first part of the word uh, comes from a root that basically means blessed. 
All right, blessed or praise. So it's kind of a combination put together, blessing God. Jared. Jared's a name that comes from a Hebrew word, yared, meaning shall come down. And then Enoch. Anybody know the story of Enoch? We'll look at it more probably later. But oh. anybody know the brief story of Enoch? Brought up to heaven? Was yeah. The chariot? Was that was it Enoch? Or was that was another one. Yeah. Was <laughs> you got two stories going together yeah. right there. Walk but yeah, if you want to look at it real quick, we could look at it. It's uh, over in verse 19. We could start with verse 18. Verse 18, Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he re- begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and begot sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. By the way, this is the regular pattern. This guy lived for this long before he had this kid. And then after he had that kid, he had lots of other kids. And he lived a total of this many years, and then he died. And then it picks up from the kid's place. This kid lived this long, had this, you know, before he had this kid. And so it's a pattern that goes, well, the pattern gets interrupted when you're reading about Enoch. It says here regarding Enoch in verse 23, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Before we even get to the next verse, something's wrong. Because that's a really low number compared to all the rest of the numbers. When we look next week at the numbers, you're going to find out, wow, he really stands out because his number is low. Everybody else has numbers in the 900s. Wow, this guy's young. What happens? It says here, verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. (laughs) What? This clearly stands out. This is not the pattern. This breaks the pattern. All right? So this is is what happens to Enoch. It doesn't say that he died. God took him. So that's the Enoch that you're probably familiar with when you, oh, yeah, he's the guy that didn't die. Yep, exactly right. Moving on from there, Methuselah. All right, Methuselah. Oh, we need to look at Enoch's name here. Enoch, um, his name means teaching. I think it'd be somewhat interesting to find out what Enoch was teaching. Interestingly, we have a glimpse of it. It's in the New Testament. We'll look at it next week. All right, next one, Methuselah. What do we know about Methuselah? Did he answer your trivia question? (laughs) Maybe. Oh, he is the answer to the trivia question, right? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Who was the oldest man in the Bible? Methuselah. He ends up being trivia. another trivia question. How old does he end up being? 969. Exactly. 969 years old. 969 years. Who was the oldest man in the Bible yet died before his father? Methuselah. Oh, because Enoch didn't die. That's, the, <laughs> that's how the trivia question works. Exactly. You get, I, should, I should throw you a candy right now. <laughs> I don't have them right now. Methuselah, oldest man in the Bible. 969 years. His name is kind of a combination of meanings here, all right? His name is a combination of two words. One of them is Muth, 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 am I saying that wrong? Meth. Meth, is it really? Meth? Oh, that's Meth. Dave's pronunciation. It's a word for death, all right? Death. Oh, why would you want death associated with your kid? But the rest of it means something different, shall bring. So you combine it together, his... His name has a meaning of his death shall bring. That's kind of weird. His death shall bring. Shall bring what? We'll look at that next week, too. Then we have Lamech. All right? Lamech. 
English uh, has a carryover from this word meaning lament. All right, so Lamech is like despairing, sorrowful, sad. All right, and then we have Noah. Noah, it actually gives us right here as to what his name actually means. Find Noah, verse 29. What does it say there? Chapter 5, verse 29. Comfort. 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 Verse 29. This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And it says right in there as the verse starts, and he called his name Noah, saying. So it gives a reason he was named Noah. So it's comfort, or it could go along with that. You could also have rest. So those are basically the English translations to the Hebrew names. All right. The neat thing, though, is when you look at this, and it, I haven't seen this work with other lines of names, other genealogies. And by the way, there are a lot of genealogies. I should have mentioned this earlier on as well. Chapter 5 ends up starting off with something where it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. You remember early, early on when we were starting to talk about the outline of Genesis, that Genesis is actually comprised of several large chunks that are put together or that have as segues, if you will, this word Toledot, all right? And it basically means generations or family lines or families all right, or history or written record or written account. This is one of those places, that word right there, the book of the genealogy, that genealogy is a toledot. That means it's, this is the next big section. We've actually entered the next section by going into chapter 5, verse 1. All right? So we're looking at the family lines. As we look at those other sections, we're going to hit other family lines. We're going to hit other places where the names are going to be listed up on the board. And I'm not going to suggest that it's going to have something kind of like what I'm going to show you with this one, but just to say that a family tree is growing, all right? And that the line that God is going to use to bring about the Savior, is it's, it's unfolding. If you will, if you look at this chapter, you, you see these names. Our emphasis, our, our attention is drawn to these names, but there's lots of other people. All right, that we're not being drawn to, that our attention is not being focused on. This guy has this guy, and he had many other sons and daughters, but this is the one I want you to pay attention to. This guy had this guy, lots of other sons and daughters, but this is the one I want you to pay attention to. The writer is causing us to focus on a particular line. All right. There's also another pattern I want to show you here, in that a lot of times when we make these transitions, to the next big chunk or the next big section of Genesis. It does it in a way that presents the thing that we're going to move away from and the thing we're going to focus on. So it ends up giving us a brief genealogy of the people that we're not going to be concerned with anymore and then the genealogy of the people we are instead going to follow. Okay. So as this goes down, we're going to be following this line because this is actually the line that's going to eventually lead to Christ. All right? The neat thing about this line is when you look at these English translations of the Hebrew names, it's, and you start with Adam, it kind of presents a little bit of a message almost. Check this out. Man appointed mortal sorrow. Blessed God shall come down <laughs> teaching. Wow. His death shall bring despairing comfort and rest. Wow. That's it's almost so cool. like the gospel message is placed right here in a boring genealogy from Genesis chapter 5. 
it's almost as if God's fingerprints show up in the very choice of names that were chosen down through these generations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a saying that the Jewish rabbis have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've got this right, that basically the understanding is we won't understand the scriptures until Messiah comes. And when Messiah comes, he'll teach us scripture, but he's going to teach us not just the meaning of the passages, he'll teach us the meanings of the very words. He'll, in fact, teach us the meanings of the spaces between the words. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, that's weird. And then you look at Jesus, and what was it in Matthew 5, 17, I think it says, where he says, I have not come to destroy the law or the prophets, I've come to fulfill. And he further says, not one yacht or not one tittle will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. A yacht and a tittle, it's like dotting an I and crossing a T. It's like the little insignificant stuff. And he's saying, basically, the good stuff is going to remain. That stuff's going to stay. And that's never going to pass away. It sounds like there's some sort of command that God has over his word that maybe shows up in something like this. That maybe somebody else would say, oh, that's coincidence. Whereas if you follow God long enough, you begin to see, I don't buy it. I don't buy that something like that would be coincidence. That looks to me like somebody designed that. That's awesome. So who would design it? Could man do that? Would Jews put in the Christian gospel message into their Torah? It sounds like it would take God to do something like that. (laughs) It sounds like it would take God to be working it out by design that we get the gospel message in Genesis chapter 5. What else does it tell us? It tells us this. Even from the earliest chapters of Genesis, God's already got the blueprint for the plan laid out. He's already laying out his plan that's going to be thousands of years yet future. He's already laying out what he promised Eve. Remember he promised Eve that there would be a seed that would come someday. And Eve was hoping, oh, maybe this is the seed. Oh, it didn't happen. And then Abel was killed. And then Seth. Remember her words of hope there when Seth was being born in verse 25 of chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Well, that didn't turn out to be my seed. That didn't turn out to be the seed God promised either. All right, I can take God at his word that there's a seed coming (laughs) through whom he's going to save us. She was hoping for a savior near term. God's plan was spelled out, but it's a long-term plan. Once again, we see God's timing is such that we stand back and marvel because this takes generations to lay it out. This takes generations to get the picture. And we look back and say, that was a short amount of time way long ago. God has a neat way of revealing himself, and sometimes it's not the way we might expect. Sometimes he does things a little different than we might expect. So here it looks like almost like the gospel message in the names of these people being born in the proper line. Man is a point of mortal sorrow. Blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring despairing comfort and rest. I get excited about stuff like that. That's so but cool. Maybe it's just coincidence. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Too many, too many, too many, too many, too many coincidences. Too many coincidences, that's right. Yeah. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that there's stuff there. There's stuff there for enjoyment and pleasure and awe-inspiring if we just dig. God, we pray that you would help us to grow in our appreciation for your word, 
more and more each day, knowing that in these we have life. Thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active. We pray, God, that you would find in us good fertile soil for your seed to be planted and to grow and give great increase. Help us, Lord, to be useful to you. Make a difference in this world. Thank you for your power, Lord, that you extend to us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.